The best things in life are free, like this podcast. Save the Date is hosted by comedian, author, and all-around wedding lover, Alicia McCormick. I do really like weddings. You're correct there, Cara Lee, star voiceover lady. I am Alicia. Welcome to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. If you haven't listened before, this is my voice. This is my person. I talk about weddings twice a week. It's all free. It's all fun. And uh, today is an episode just with my voice. If you're expecting another voice... Move on, Sally, because it's just Alicia. And it's good because I am bringing you a list of seven sneaky wedding expenses. And I don't mean it's coercive and sneaky or dishonest. It's just things that we choose not to think about because sometimes they can be boring. And I would much rather be spending money on shoes and sparkly things. (laughs) So today is all about those hidden payments, those pesky hidden costs that you are often hit with at the most annoying times. The times where you've put a certain amount of money aside and then, hey presto, someone else wants your money and you haven't budgeted for it. Now I am the first to admit, I'm the sort of person that uh, can be financially a little easy, easygoing. Rich is a lot more constrained and not saying he's a tight ass because I've said I'm a tight ass. I love saving money, but he's better at saying, okay, we've got this amount of money And if we spend this amount a week, then we'll have this amount. And that's all very well and good in theory. But then things come along and it's nice to go out for a bit of a meal or spend a bit of extra money on something. I love going into Boots, the store here in the UK. It's it's like, you know, a big pharmacy with lots of lovely different potions and lotions. Now, I'm not talking about me going and blowing hundreds of dollars or pounds here. I'm just saying small expenses add up. And one thing I have noticed, I don't know if you've felt this too, is with the advent of the contactless payment, or as my lovely friend Simon refers to it, the swipey card. Now, the swipey card is very convenient. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's when you've got your debit or credit card and it has the chip in it that you can just swipe over the credit card, the ATM, the FPOS machine, whatever you want to call it, when you're at the counter at Starbucks or one of these other sort of places and you go, oh yeah, I haven't got the dollar fifty, but I'll boop. It doesn't make the noise, but I like to make the noise while I'm doing it. Boop. There's my money. It's gone. I don't have to think about it again. Very convenient, but also terribly inconvenient if you are trying to stick to a budget because it is so easy to swipe that card and not ever think about the expenses that you are swiping. And little things really add up. Trust me on this one. I have said before, one of the best ways to keep to a budget in any situation is to carry a little book around with you like my dad used to do when he would go through his credit card payments at the end of the month because he didn't trust the computers. I don't know if he still does it. I'm assuming he does. He would go through and write down all his credit card payments, what he'd used his cards for. And at the end of the month, he'd look at his statement and tick it off to make sure there weren't any fraudulent payments happening. Again, this is all online now. But the thing with the book is, if you just do it for a week, it really is a way to to be responsible and to own what you are swiping away. Same with any sort of diet to go, okay, every time I'm going to put a Kit Kat in my mouth, I'm going to write that down. So at the end of the week, I can see the Kit Kats. It's just a suggestion. If you've got the swipey card, if you've got a contactless payment and you like to swipe, maybe for the week, either take out $50, pounds, pence, whatever of your account and say, this is my money for this week. Or write down every time you swipe that card or say, no, I'm not going to swipe. I shall put a pin in and then you can think about the expenses that you are using. 
just a thought from me. So this episode is all about those added expenses that you don't expect to pay and you don't necessarily budget for. They're not really glamorous expenses, but I can't even express to you how much some of these these expenses add up and how much of a dent they can make in your overall budget. I've got seven of these babies to get through. Let's start at the beginning A very good place to start. There's a bit of a musical thing for you. If you get it, good for you. If you don't, let's move on. Number one, stamps. Boring, but a very big hidden expense. One that really adds up and is very easy to save the money if you pre-plan. Now, stamps are the sort of things... They're very much of an afterthought. You've spent all this money on amazing designs for your stationery. You've got your list. You've gone to all the trouble of getting the guest list and all these little added extras that I keep talking about, like your song request form. I love those so much. Your RSVP card. You've got to send all your, maybe you're doing a gift registry. You want to put that information. Now, when you put all this together, it could be quite bulky. And also, choosing stationery off the look of them and not thinking about if they fit into a standard envelope or envelope is a bit of a trick. Now, I know I have lovely listeners all over the world. I'm not going to bore you with the standard size, postal size of every country because that would be mind-numbing, but I'm going to give you an example. In Australia, a standard envelope I think will cost you 60 cents, for example. In the States, I've been looking up, it could be a dollar. In England, they've got different classifications. The Royal Mail... The Queen's Mail system, and she, I don't think she's got anything to do with it anyway, but they have different classifications. First class, second class, crappy class that never gets to you. I don't know. So do your research and it isn't glamorous. It isn't very exciting, but a lot of stationers, unfortunately, are quite happy to sell you non-standard sized, amazing stationery, but then it will cost you extra money. One easy way to solve this problem is to ask for a sample. A mock-up that you can take along to the post office and have it weighed and also see if you can cram it into a standard envelope. Now, again, if, if this isn't, uh, if you want to have a big flashy, amazing show pony style invitation, just remember that you may pay, sometimes I've been reading up to three or four dollars per invitation to send it, which is mental if you've got a hundred people on the list. Do the maths. It's expensive. Also, please remember that you need to add, it's very much a courtesy to add a stamp onto your RSVP cards. If you want people to send them back, put a stamp on it, makes it probably a little bit more of an incentive for people to send it back to you. I've been seeing a really good trend with people taking their RSVPs online, which is really easy to do. I had a partner last month, Squarespace. They have an online system where you can build a wedding website. I know a lot of other companies do exactly the same thing where you can import your guest list and, of course, send out your invitations by post, but then ask them to RSVP online. Now, this is something really easy you can do, and people seem to be able to do it a lot quicker going on their email, click the button and they're done rather than having to go to the post office. Now, I think it's lazy in a sense if you can't be bothered if you ask someone to return an envelope and they don't, just do it. I mean, you're paying for a meal and a night out for these people. The least they can do is send an envelope back. But just remember, that is also an added expense to you. So please don't forget to add that stamp on 
And you might be going, oh, Alicia, it's only another dollar. But again, if you have a hundred people coming along, it's an extra hundred bucks that you need to attach to your wedding budget. Number two are all the little annoying niggly extras that they have added on to buying a wedding dress. Now, when you look at wedding dresses, you probably, I'm going to make an assumption that not everyone is going to fit perfectly into the sample dress that you try on in the store or you buy online. So one of the big things that a lot of people do not add into their wedding budget is alterations. Some wonderful vendors say, okay, if you're going to buy a gown with me, I will will add so many hours on to my expenses, or I will include that in the cost of the dress to alter the dress for you. A lot of vendors do not do that. And you need to ask them straight up, if this doesn't fit, what do you need to do? What are the expenses that I will incur to make sure this dress fits me on the day? I'm not talking about major reconstruction here. I'm saying hemming, adding a bra into the dress, which is another expense I will get to in a moment. Some salons say, okay, we will do a flat rate fee for all alterations. That's a great one. If you know that you are going to buy a dress that will probably need some major work and they're willing to do it at a flat rate, fantastic. Really good. But be aware, be upfront when you're in there. If your wedding dress budget is $1,000, that needs to include alterations because it can really creep up. And sometimes I know when I went in to have uh, my first wedding dress, You, if you've listened to the podcast, you realize I had two wedding dresses because I changed my mind three weeks before and totally changed the style. But the first wedding dress that I had, I really, it wasn't right. I didn't feel it in my heart. So I went to a tailor who was very friendly and lovely, but also said, oh, to do anything that you want to do will cost you $500 plus. So again, like most things attached to weddings, there is an expense, an added expense. And I'm guessing it's probably more than you would take in to a a tailor and have a normal quote unquote dress altered. I mentioned having a bra built into your dress, which is a great option if you want a bit of boozy support and you don't necessarily want to wear the bra on the day. Do add undergarments and accessories into your budget, your veil, your shoes, your bra, your undies, your spanks if you want to suck it all in. And of course, jewelry, that's one of the more obvious ones. But undies, day of undies are pricey, pricey dicey. Also, Just on that topic, this is not about expenses, this is about your comfort. It's nice to wear a bit of sexy stuff, but uh, if you don't want something going up your ass all day, consider perhaps having some sexy undies for later on in the day and wearing something a bit more comfortable under your dress and also shapewear, not necessarily suck it in shapewear, but underwear that is uh, obviously not being able to be seen and visible for your dress, but something that you're not going to have to try and hitch out of your you, oh gosh, how do I say this? You know what I'm trying to say, don't you? You just don't want to be pulling out wedgies all day because you're wearing some weird, unusual, but sexy piece of impractical underwear that you aren't used to wearing. There it is. The other thing is pre-wedding attire. Think about what you're going to be wearing on the morning or day of your wedding. This is something I didn't really sit around. We were worker bees on our wedding day. Again, not everyone's bag. A lot of people want to have a lovely, relaxing morning. We just kept... (laughs) We were hanging lanterns and running around like crazies because we really DIY'd this wedding. Again, if I were going back, and we've, Rich and I have discussed this numerous times, saying we would have saved 
an extra maybe four or five grand, and that sounds like a lot of money, but probably to have hired a wedding planner to come in and do all those extra things that we ended up running around and doing in the morning. So my day of attire was really my jeans and my jumpers that I was running around in, and then I jumped down to this little private area we had for me to get ready, and I got ready. But some people really go to a lot of trouble getting wonderful gowns or negligees or, you know, buying bridesmaid sets where everyone is wearing the nice sort of Japanese style robes. They look gorgeous. And there are plenty on Etsy I've linked to before. I love them. And it's a really nice gesture to give those to your bridesmaids as a gift. But just remember, they add up. So if you are going to be doing that, add them to the budget. Number three is, well, look, it's a bit boring again, but it's very necessary. I mentioned as well as an Australian visiting America, I don't always uh, understand the tax system and the gratuities. Now, you know, being a person that lives in America, you probably get this a lot more. In in Australia, we have GST, goods and services tax, which is 10%, which is generally added on later on. If you are in an event planning situation in the supermarket, it's added on automatically. We don't even notice. In um, England, they've got, uh, I call it VAT, VAT, it's also a service charge. So it's just important that when you are getting quotes from all of your vendors that you ask, is tax included? Now, I know in America, tax is very state by state. If you are getting married interstate in any country that I'm talking about, make sure that you ask them their rate of tax because it's not always the same. If you are receiving quotes without the tax included, it can be a game changer. For example, if a caterer quotes you, this is me doing math, so get ready, $110 or pounds per person, that means that you'll also need to add, if they haven't included it, a service tax on top of the quote. That can be up to 30%, depending on where you are, on top of the base cost. So if you're not adding that up automatically, then if, if you are doing perhaps 150 people wedding, for example, that could cost an extra $5,000. Think about that. An unexpected bill of $5,000 because you haven't been open and they haven't necessarily been open to, to quoting you the tax, which they should, but often companies don't do that because they want to seem cheaper than others. You know, and in first glance, you go, oh, they're a really good deal, but I haven't added all this extra stuff on. So even though sometimes my head feels like it's going to hit the wheel when I'm talking about tax and all this extra stuff, it's really one of those things that you want to make sure you are very clear and open with from the get-go so you know where you stand and you're not going to be hit with a bill at the end when you really have fallen in love with this vendor and you want what they have. And then you go, oh my gosh, it's an extra two or $3,000 or more. It can be so much more. So boring, but very necessary. You are listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. I am Alicia and I am delighted to be here with you sharing this information and knowledge. I have done, I think, 43, probably more now, maybe 45 episodes of this show. So if you are new to the podcast and you would like to go back to the year dot, all those many months ago, they're all, as they call them, evergreen episodes. They don't date. I, there's nothing in it that will be... You could listen in the year 2074, specifically, Things may have dated by then, but let's just say you're listening a couple of years ago. It's not going to make a difference. 
I will give you the other sneaky wedding expenses straight after this. Here's two words you don't see together very often, free and wedding. The Save the Date podcast is and always will be free, and it's all about weddings. Smash that one. Indeed smash that one. Love it very much. It is free. One of the few free wedding things. Number four, I have talked about favors a few times on this show, and my... I don't want to say hesitance here, but there seems to have been in the last five years a really big push for everyone giving their guests elaborate gifts and elaborate gifts that are useless and elaborate gifts that people lose in the cab on the way home and elaborate gifts that people sit in their house for a couple of days and go, wasn't Tony and Janet's uh, wedding really nice? What do we do with this piece of crap now? How long do we have to keep it for? It's like Christmas cards and birthday cards. Some people hoard this stuff for the next 48 years. Other people put it in the bin two seconds afterwards. So it's just about being really aware of your audience, who your guests are, what you want to give them. If, you know, you want to have traditional bonbonieri, as they say, you might give some sugar almonds that I have delighted in watching people gnaw in between small service of food at certain weddings, naming no names, you might want to make some cookies. I had a wonderful, um, <laughs> I had this beautiful rolling pin that I found on Etsy. It's a lady who makes rolling pins that have um, shapes built into them. So when you roll them out, they are like dinosaurs or flowers, or you can have them monogrammed. And I thought, what a wonderful idea if you don't want to spend a lot of money on favors, but you do want favors, is if you are handy making a bit of shortbread or a butter cookie, that you can roll them out ahead of time. You could even freeze them. It would, no one would notice. And uh, make them with these wonderful rolling pins. They look a lot fancier than they really are and very clever. But when you think about it, we're going to break down the expenses of favors. If you're having a hundred people at your event, and even if you just spend three bucks on each thing, that is $300 that you'll be spending overall for wedding favors. So once someone says to you, oh, but they're only $8 each. Yeah, $8 sounds very reasonable, but if you're spending that for a hundred people, and for example, if you are having, uh, you know, I've been to weddings where they've given away small bottles of champagne. Lovely, if you can afford that. I've been to weddings where they've given away um, beer covers. You know, uh, it's bizarre. Some really bizarre tat that I've received as gifts from a lot of people that I thought were probably a lot more sensible than that. A few episodes ago, I said, if you're really into books, maybe you could give someone a book, something they can use. Just an idea. There is no pressure to give favors at all. Again, by inviting people and paying for a meal and possibly paying for their alcohol and providing entertainment and sharing sharing your love with them, you shouldn't feel obliged to give anyone anything at all. Maybe put a poem on the table. Do something sort of really significant to you, your favorite quote, something that doesn't cost you a lot of money. That is an easy way to cut often a minimum of $500 or pounds off your budget by just including something that you can print, something you can make yourself and not have to purchase tat as I'm going to call it. Number five is something that Rich and I were hit with a few times in our wedding planning and talking to people now and especially wedding bloggers. This is one thing they always talk about and I don't think, because it's not very glamorous, people don't really blog about it very much and make a big deal about it, but that is in-house expenses at your venue. Now, you need to check as soon as you agree to a contract or actually before you agree to the contract, what is included 
Is additional seating something that you need to pay for? Are seats and tables and all the crockery included in what you are agreeing to do? Because if not, you're going to have to pay for these. These are added expenses. We went through our rundown with our caterer really specifically, and there were some charges in there. Now, I'm not saying this is I love that they wanted to give us all this. We just couldn't afford to have it. There were charges that we realized if we cut out, we would save considerable monies. For example, we knew that realistically, there were probably only 10 people, maximum 15, that were going to sit and have a cup of coffee at the end of our wedding reception. And in the quote that we were given, they were going to include 50 cups and saucers, a big teapot, all this coffee-making facilities to come along with, And that was going to cost us, I think it was about $180 in total to hire this stuff. Now, to me, at the house that we were getting married in, there were some tea cups and saucers, really cool vintage stuff. And I said to them, you know what? Don't include any of that. We will set up a little tea and coffee area for the nanas and poppers and aunties and uncles that want to sit and have a bit of a coffee and a chat at the end of the evening. We'll set that up ourselves. And that saved us $180. We went through that quote with a fine tooth comb. But if you haven't got chairs included, think about that. Really, the most minimum cost for chairs is about four or five dollars per chair. So if you've got a hundred people, again, remember that could be five hundred dollars extra expenses that you hadn't really bargained for, but are necessary because people need to put their asses somewhere. Also included the list of higher things that aren't necessarily fun to hire, but sort of necessary. Lighting is something that's often an afterthought. People either go hard on the lighting and spend thousands and thousands of dollars, or they forget about lighting and then they get to their venue and go, this is a dark, dank place. Quick, we need to get lights in here to make it look decent. Again, if you have a wedding planner and they are used to using your venue or the venue wedding planner should be able to advise you what you need to use to make the room look great, to give it some ambiance, because that is important. You don't want to walk into somewhere starkly lit by shitty fluorescent globes that look like you're in a cafeteria. That is not sexy. That's not romantic. If you are in a place that does have that stark lighting, the awful cafeteria lighting, shut them off and bring in your own light. Again, that's an added expense. You can shop around and get good prices for this. Also, if you are bringing in a sound and lighting company, for example, ask them to add on the quotes for extra lights. Sound is another expense that a lot of times people don't ask the band if they own their own PA system. Sometimes a DJ will require extra speakers if you're planning to do speaking on the night, which I'm sure 100% of you, someone is doing a speech of some sort. Make sure that you ask about the quality of the sound system. Can you see it? Can you switch it on? Can you talk about it? There is nothing worse. Now, mind your ears, because I'm going to give you an example here of people going, hello, um, can you hear what I'm saying? This is some of the, uh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. I did warn you. Gosh, I'm sorry. But the point is, and again, in all my years of stand-up, I've done some pretty bad gigs with some pretty awful microphones where you've had to hold the microphone in a certain way because the lead's crap and it goes when you hold the microphone. If people aren't used to speaking, that can really throw them off. So just make sure you either spend the extra $50 or pounds or whatever to get a proper microphone and speaker system, or you give the task to someone else to check that stuff and make sure it works. One thing I will say is check the gear. For example, this happened to us on our wedding day. 
We got there, we set up, we hired all this amazing speaker gear and system and then realized they hadn't given us the hook to hook the mic into the mic stand. So there was a panic, not a major panic, but us running around going, crikeys, what are we going to use to attach the mic? We've got the stand and we've got the mic, but we don't have the thing that connects it together. We got creative and used some duct tape. But that's the sort of thing you want to be organized and making sure they supply all of that stuff. Number six, the sixth way to uh, avoid unnecessary expenses is remember about vendor meals. Now, when I say that, I don't mean you have to give everyone that's involved in setting something up on your wedding day a meal. That is not the point. But if you do have entertainers coming along, if you have people that are staying for a long period of time, often the photographer, it is really a, well, sometimes they make it a part of a contract that they get a meal at the end of the night. Or it's nice courtesy to say, do you require a meal? If you're going to be spending 10 hours with these people, which often you are, it is nice to give them a little coffee, tea break, and some sort of meal break, perhaps while you're eating, they can run off and have a meal themselves. Now, if you are dealing with a self-catering situation or a separate catering company, ask them to quote for a staff meal. They don't have to get exactly what your guests are getting. It doesn't have to be too fancy. Often catering companies are feeding their own people, which you're not paying for. They're providing a meal for their staff on the day and they're happy to tack on for a smaller fee an extra vendor meal for people that you wish to supply meals for. A recent guest on the Save the Date Wedding podcast was Shola Kay. She's a professional singer. She's done some amazing big gigs, but she also does a lot of weddings. And she said the one thing that really does make a performer feel comfortable and welcome is offering them a drink. It does not have to be alcoholic, but offering them a tab, perhaps saying, get yourself some soft drink, a fizzy water, whatever you need to make your job easier, and a meal and somewhere for them to get ready behind the scenes. If you have a wedding planner, they will, I'm sure, organize this all for you and put it in the quote for you, for the venue and for their services. Also, a wedding planner. Often people forget to feed the wedding planner. Often wedding planners don't have time to sit down because they're running around making your wedding amazing. I cannot vouch for wedding planners enough. Good wedding planners, that is. Often they don't have time to sit down, but it is a lovely gesture to offer. My final, number seven in the list, my final tip is all about, it's a pretty important one actually, if I, if I do say so myself, the marriage license. Some people don't budget for this, fine. It could be just an expense. You go, all right, it's a hundred dollars or whatever it's going to be. It does cost money. Some people are surprised by this. I don't know why. It's attached to a bureaucratic government system. Of course, it's going to cost money. One thing is, it is what you need, the form that you need to make your marriage legal, to make your civil partnership legal. It will typically cost between $20 and $100. I know Rich and I paid about $55 plus their stupid bureaucratic fees for sending it out. I think the postage was $9 or $10. Ridiculous. Again, we go back to postage. People can up things, whatever they want. And typically, most states will not let you automatically receive a copy of your license for free. They'll charge you extra for that. So do your research with that as well. If you are getting married interstate or at a destination wedding, and I will talk to you more about this when I do a specific destination wedding episode, which is coming up. But if you are getting married on foreign soil, especially Google it. For the love of God, Google it. Because some countries, 
do not let you just turn up and apply for a marriage license. You have to spend a certain amount of time on their soil before they allow you to do that. Or sometimes, I'm not going to get specific now, sometimes you can pay a lot of extra money to get that license. So if you are getting married interstate, overseas, or even just down the road, remember to factor in the cost of the marriage license, factor in the cost of a very pretty sparkly certificate if you want that some do charge extra and also factor in time. I know George Clooney and Amal Clooney, they got married in Venice, but they turned up at the Chelsea Town Hall just down the road from where I am to apply for their marriage certificate in the UK. So plan ahead, think about it before you're doing it and make sure you add up these expenses. So that is my, they are my seven tips. I could have done 14. Honestly, there are lots of different expenses you need to consider when planning your wedding. Here's a recap. Stamps, remember? Here's another thing I forgot to say about the stamps is forget about fancy stamps. No one gives a shit. Honestly, Postal services love to say, get a personalized stamp, push your face on it, we'll put a monogram. Honestly, how many times have you looked at a stamp that's come on the front of an envelope? I know we all get self-involved and we think everything's important and our wedding invitations are the most important thing that anyone's ever received in the mail. But honestly, the extra expenses of having something personalized or getting a proper pretty stamp Forget about it. Number two, remember alterations, undergarments, and your pre-wedding attire should all be added into your costs in the end. Three, taxes and gratuities. Not very exciting, but remember also, if they don't say it, you got to ask for it. They should say it in all in all rundowns for budgets, all vendors should be giving you taxes up front. Some don't because they're very cheeky monkeys. Number four, wedding favors. Do you need them? Do you not? If you're going to spend $8 a wedding favor, you can add on $800 and hope by Jimmy's that the wedding favors are worth it and not just some piece of crap tat that you just buy because you think you should be giving them when you shouldn't. Number five, Chairs. People need things to sit on. Reception add-ons. Remember what I said about the tea and coffee. Scour that wedding, that wedding bill. Scour that sort of uh, invoice that they're giving you for any costs that you think you can find cheaper or things that you don't need. Don't be afraid to speak up and remove. I'm sure a majority of wedding vendors are quite happy to remove things or add things on to see what you can actually get the most bang for your buck. And uh, it's silly hiring something and having it sit there and not being used all night. But also remember, but also, lastly about the chairs, if you're going for the cheapest chair, sit in them first and just feel how uncomfortable or comfortable they may be. Sometimes it's best to spend an extra dollar a chair or an extra two bucks and get a cushion so your guests don't have numb bumps. That's nice. It's just nice to think ahead. You don't want people sitting there going, oh, make this wedding end. I can't feel my ass. Number six, vendor meals. Really nice to be offering wedding planners, DJs, all those sort of people there right to sit down and have a meal on your special day. And number seven, the marriage license. Don't forget to get one. Don't forget to add that in. And if you are having a destination wedding and they require you to be in the country up to three or four days, sometimes it's weeks in advance, make sure you factor that in. Or you pop there beforehand, have a little pre-wedding trip. That'd be nice. Grab your marriage certificate and then pop back in the month later. But also, again, be careful with that because sometimes the wedding uh, certificates only last one month. Oh my gosh, so many technical things. 
so many more things to tell you, but I uh, have run out of time this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. So much more happening. If you want to get in touch, visit savethedatepodcast.com where I will happily answer your wedding questions. If you're after any information that I have talked about today, I would be visiting today's blog post. That would be uh, exactly where I would go to get all of that. Also, I like to add a little extras. If I get any discount codes or vouchers or anything, that's where I put them. So make sure you spend a bit of your work hours today visiting my webpage. Your boss would want you to do it. They really would. Finally, I am asking my lovely listeners, that is you, if you would participate in a two-minute survey. I guarantee you it's a barrel of laughs. It's not a boring survey. It's all about me doing another podcast. I love making this show, but I realize once your wedding is planned, you probably don't want to listen to me talking about weddings anymore. So I would like to continue our relationship and uh, produce some other podcasts. And I want to know what you want to hear. That's really important to me. And you are such a vocal, wonderful audience. I thought you wouldn't mind just giving me a bit more of a guidance of what I could produce for you. I'm giving away a beauty pack valued at over $200 to uh, someone that helps me out with this. So if you're interested, head to savethedatepodcast.com slash survey and I will, the link is there. You can just fill it out. Finito, there it is. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Until we next meet, happy days. Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.